Hello, everybody. Welcome back, Branksom Hall. Community members here on campus, community members far and wide, parents, alumni, and welcome back, educators from all over. This is the Garage Cast, Friday, September the 1st. I'm so happy to be kicking off season two here of the Garage Cast. I am Michael Iani Palarchio, your host. I am recording from a small studio that I have created at home here to deliver. The school is closed today just before the long weekend and I've created some space here and put together a really exciting show. Talked to a number of people through the week and now I am here to talk to all of you and then assemble and push out season two. And I'm so excited. You know, last year in season one, at our very peak, we had over 33,000 listeners over the summertime, did the leadership summer series, leadership skills to drive innovation. And we had a decline in listenership, but still quite a few of you. When I tally up all of the plays that occurred in season one, we have had over a million plays of podcasts. Not a million listeners, it's about 33,000 is our peak, but across all of the episodes that we've had, when I tally up all of the cumulative plays, we had over a million plays of the Garage Cast. That is crazy <laughs> and just so awesome. And so I'm so happy to be kicking off season two here. We had a great show scheduled. The number one question for this show is, what is your personal innovation for this year? What is your personal approach to disruption? And that's what we're gonna talk about. I'm also gonna spend some time in segment number two, looking at all of the technology things that have happened over the course of the summer. Since we focused on leadership skills to drive innovation within schools over the summertime, I put a pause sort of on tech tools and tech trends, and I have a whole bunch of catch-up things to do with each and every one of you. So, without further ado, thanks again for joining. Let's buckle up, Branksome Hall. Here we go. Well, it is incredible that it is September 1st. And this is episode 44. We're going to, even though we're in season two, we're going to keep our episode count sequence just incrementally increasing each week. But it is hard to believe that we're on our 44th episode here of the Garage Cast. You heard in the intro me say, question of this episode is what is your disruption? What did I mean by that? Well, it's my challenge to each of you that are listening. I want you to pause and I want you to reflect as this academic year is beginning for you. What is your disruption? How will you personally challenge your own status quo? For those of you who might be new to the 
the garage cast, you'll, you'll want to know that the way I define innovation is challenging the status quo, disrupting the status quo. That's, that's how I look at it. When we innovate, we really break out of that cycle, that process, that paradigm, that way of doing things. We challenge our status quo. And so I want, as we step into this new season of the Garage Cast, as you step into this new academic year, and if you're not in education, I know we have a really, really broad listener group. Whatever it is that you do for work, you can even look at this from just a personal perspective. If you want an innovator's mindset, then you've got to be able to innovate yourself, reinvent yourself, challenge your status quo. Now, this question is something that I went and asked a few people just around campus. You know, we've had everybody back this week. It's been terrific to see everybody. And I, I pulled a f- aside a few people, a couple of people, and asked them that very question. What is your disruption? What is your innovation? How are you going to challenge the status quo for yourself? And here's a few things that people had to say. Hi everyone, my name is Sia Mac Bormand. I am the Assistant Head Student Experience, grades 9 and 10, and something I'm looking forward to this year, innovation and disruption, is really working with our students and our student leaders on bringing integrity to the forefront. No one wants to hear teachers and adults telling students what to do and how to act, but when students work together on the best way to be members of a community, that's something I'm really excited about. Hi, my name is Megan McKellar. I'm the Innovation Technology Coordinator in the Junior School. And my personal disruption for this year is looking into the impacts of generative AI for students and educators. Hi, my name is Mira Gambier. I am the Head of Research um, and Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at Branksome Hall. And a few of the personal disruptions and innovations that I'm going to do this year include, I'm setting aside time, uh, like dedicated focus time, more than I've ever had before in my life, uh, to challenge the way I work with my team and the way I'm thinking about uh, projects. I'm looking at building the future in a new and different way with my colleagues. So really future focused, you know, where are we going uh, with the work? What's, what's on the horizon? And doing this together with other people. I am asking at the end of each week, what do I want to leave behind? And what do I want to take forward? Uh, usually you do this at the end of a year, but I'm trying to build it at the end of each week. So looking at the skills or habits, or it could be a way of thinking or a perspective. The last thing I'm doing is I'm I'm learning and seeing and thinking about how fear plays out in equity work. And I'm really thinking about how fear can be information 
about how people are feeling or the conditions that you're trying to do the work in and what's the next step to help take uh, that step together. What I love is that it's such a broad set of examples. Thank you to those that participated and shared technical things, mindsets that you want to bring to your students, and how equity plays a role in some people's challenging the status quo. It can be whatever you want. And so I hope just hearing those few voices for, from around campus has got you thinking about this question. Now, I asked the same question to Amanda Kennedy here at Branksom Hall. She is our deputy principal, a longtime employee of Branksom Hall, and a close colleague and friend of mine. And when I asked her this question, we had some time to explore it in a bit more depth. And now I want to be able to share that conversation with those of you here listening on the Garage Cast. And welcome back, listeners. So great to have you with me here on the Garage Cast. And I am thrilled to have a very close colleague and friend joining this morning. We have Miss Amanda Kennedy, who is our deputy principal here at Branksome Hall. Welcome, Amanda. Thanks, Michael. Great to be here. It's great to have you on the Garage Cast. It took a whole season before we could get you on. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I wanted to probe with you. You know, our listeners have had a chance to hear from others here at Branksom Hall. The question I had posed was, what is your personal disruption this year? What is your personal innovation? We talk a lot about challenging the status quo as our definition for innovation. And coming off summer, which is a time to recharge and reflect, I'm probing with people, you know, what is it that you're changing and challenging your own status quo? Uh, and we've gotten some great little sound bites, but you and I are going to sort of dig into that. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you, you know, what does that look like for you this upcoming year? Yeah, thanks. Um, I agree with you. I think summertime is that uh, that time for um, deep inner work. It's so important for us as leaders uh, to step into that work. And um, I had, I did my inner work in foreign places, uh, which was great. Sometimes stepping out of context is really great to do that. Um, you know, I, I I tried this summer to go back to my core educational philosophical purpose. What um, turns the lights on for me professionally and personally every day. And my why that is very clear to me is that I deeply believe that every child and adult learns and grows. That is every member of our community. That is employees, uh, parents, alums, students. And that is uh, a transformational belief for me. So, you know, getting back to that core purpose in terms of... Um, you know, innovation and disruption, we know we're living in uh, a changing world and it will only become likely more chaotic, not less. So, you know, as a leader, you need to um, step into that inner work so that you can coach and grow others to do similar. Um, you can't lead 
where you don't go. Others will not follow, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I think the important thing is uh, that when you're growing leaders, and in my role is K through 12, so I work in uh, with students, but primarily with our teachers and, um, and leaders in the school. And um, so how I coach and support them in their own development is really important. Um, and I think, you know, we are so well attuned uh, to our technical skills and our technical leadership skills, but sometimes needing more of that care to the adaptive um, leadership skills. And those are the skills that will shift us into solving really important problems and the complex problems. Um, so, you know, in my inner work, I think my commitment this year personally is um, to not uh, miss the step of asking very good questions, L listening well, um, surfacing controversy and conflict. I think that's a natural and normal part of um, the consensus building process. And sometimes um, we step to solution more quickly. So I think really... Um, Asking good questions, surfacing conflict or dissension as a natural and normal part of that creative process, and really working with um, leaders in our school to be able to um, build that skill similarly. It's fantastic, fantastic. You know, when you when you think about, you talk about rapidly changing. Uh, I always talk about exponential change. You know, there's massive technological change that's happening around us, and. You talk about, you know, people won't go where you don't lead and where you don't step to go. And you have a pretty diverse portfolio and, and teams that you, that you work with here. How do you prepare them to be adaptable and take that step with you? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. I think we're often, um, it's important that when you're, you're working with your teams that you are uh, naming it um, and naming the skills. Uh, I, I name what I'm working on. I uh, We all goal set at Branksome Hall and have those coaching conversations through the year. So um, really working with uh, my team members for them to be able to surfacing the areas um, of strength and where they want to grow um, and adding to that and then coaching them through. I think, you know, some of... Um, the areas that we all holistically as leaders need to look at is um, specifically, you know, how do you challenge that status quo? If we're hearing, well, we've done it this way for a while and it works, uh, being able to build in those questions of, well, should we look at it again? Is there a different way of doing things? I think also um, when we bring in new team members, we have some amazing new employees we brought in this year, and they bring such an important and valuable external context and external lens. And so naming that in our new employee orientation with all our employees to please know that that's a superpower and bring that outside um, eye, those ideas and perspectives, wonders about and questions about how we do our work, because that will enrich. So when you can signal that you're open to that as an institution, um, I think then people bring it forward and you're creating that culture of openness and um, open-mindedness to change. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I know that, you know, at the start of the summer break, you had an opportunity to go and do some really interesting professional development. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if you wanted to share a little bit about what the program was and, and what's the key takeaway or that sort of highlight that stayed with you, you know, as you then rolled into, into summertime. 
um, that maybe kept returning to you from your from your learning? Yeah. Um, so uh, it was one of those. Um, bucket list experiences. I was accepted to a course at the Harvard Graduate School of Education, and it was a course called Achieving Excellence, Leadership Development for Principals. Uh, so there were, um, I think, about 90 participants from uh, 19 different countries. I was the only Canadian, which was, um, I had to hold, although there was someone from <laughs> Canadian Texas. <laughs> so Jeff and I made friends. <laughs> We've been texting each other. How's my fellow Canadian? Nice. Um, but it was a course that really uh, stepped into what are the skills that are needed now for leaders in education, um, really within the context of uh, rapid technological um, innovation uh, and you know, specifically some very uh, disappointing uh, data, specifically in the U.S., around uh, just how kids are, are being left in the dust. Right. They are really preparing students with technical skills, but not adaptive skills, not mm -hmm. uh, critical thinking, application, um, all of the you know 21st century collaboration skills that are needed. Um, the data is really failing um, American kids. Right. So within that context, it was um, a, this amazing opportunity for international educators to come together and to step into those key tenets of, of work. And um, I think there were many things that resonated, but um, we spent a good amount of time talking about adaptive leadership, mm -hmm. about the inner work, the outer work with your teams, the decision-making constructs um, that uh, you can build as, as your system in your school. Right. Um, and system is a key word. I think it's, you know, it was a real critical takeaway that schools are systems and they are built to support some but not all. Mm -hmm. And so that real call to action as an emergency for personalization and learning uh, that you need to take a universal design approach for learning to make sure that our students each have what they need to be successful in the class. Mm -hmm. And I think you could translate that to any member of our community. Right. So, you know, in terms of leadership development, um, the real onus and imperative is on us as educational leaders is ensuring that the adults in our building are also similarly building adaptive uh, skills. So how are they challenging the status quo in their own curriculum, their own approach um, to assessment? How are they supporting students? How are they creating um, environments in their own classroom learning environment where they're teaching students to ask good questions, they're listening well, um, they're surfacing and addressing conflict in that space in a really constructive and safe manner, and really norming out um, and developing the space where students can feel and build the muscle memory of all of those skills, right. because that builds that success for launching them um, as adults. That's fantastic. You know, it's exciting because it reinforces the work and the discussions that you and I had while we were working on the Branksom Hall strategy refresh. Mm -hmm. um, and this idea of adaptability as an organization, and obviously having that in our, our leaders is something we've talked about on the Garage Cast. Um, this idea of ensuring that we are looking at ways to reinvent you know, what we've always done. Mm -hmm. uh, because the outside world is changing and our students are changing and parent expectations are changing. So it's exciting and always inspirational to hear you talk about this sort of stuff. Well, we had a really amazing lecturer, Michael, um, a call out, Liz City. Uh, she was tremendous, uh, really around strategy and action. Uh, she written a great book, partnered with Rachel Curtis. Um, it might 
listeners might want to check out. But, you know, there are three key underlying assumptions to building strategy in school that we um, that have to be underlying to ensure success of any strategic imperative. Um, the first that, you know, school systems are built to support the learning of all students. Um, that equity-based notion um, that we need to figure out, uh, and if we have a student who's struggling in our class, then we use a different approach with them uh, than for, for those who are excelling. Uh, the second assumption um, is that teaching matters most, mm. and instruction is at the heart and its core, and strategy needs to wrap around that. And anything that diverts from that um, probably have to pair back. So, right. you know, we see that in our strategy. We see that community relationships, um, DEI and SEL and innovation are so core uh, and connected to our instructional core. Um, and then the third assumption uh, I think that was really helpful is just that um, being strategic and coherent is everyone's work. It's the senior leadership team, it's every employee, and uh, and we see that that's a real success at Branksom too. But those three calls to action, uh, I loved the crispness of it because mm-hmm. I think uh, the instructional core, uh, sometimes schools can get excited with shiny new things and initiatives and ideas that we have. Um, and being able to just very, very vigilantly ensure is it benefiting our students and student learning uh, is a really important uh, tenet to hold on to. That's fantastic. Thank you for, for sharing that. I think our listeners, you know, we've got the educators and leaders here at Branksome Hall, and we've got thousands of educators that are listening from around the world, you know, can really take away in terms of those three core elements is something that they can begin to think about if they haven't, you know, within their own schools, their own systems, um, and their own personal practice. Before I close off, any parting words you'd like to say in terms of what is exciting you about the year ahead, what you're looking forward to, even just a shout out to the community? Yeah, I think, you know, personally, um, we have the most amazing employee base, as I said, working with the new employees last year, at last week. Um, it, they are bringing such amazing insights and ideas and uh, creativity that they're just they will uniquely and collectively enhance our, our community for sure. Um, I have the great honor of working with our student leaders this week. Yes. Uh, oh my gosh, the future is bright. It is going to be a tremendous year at Branksome. Um, just the enthusiasm, energy, uh, ideas, and uh, deep commitment to maximizing belonging at the school. That's their uh, that's their tagline. Right. Um, their North Star strategy, and I think that's uh, super exciting. Um, it's going to be a great year, and I think um, just where we're all knitting back in back to our core purpose. And uh, mine is just deep excitement to work with our school employees and students and making this the best year yet. Outstanding. Can't thank you enough. I know it's a busy time of year, so I appreciate the time that you're giving us and, and all the listeners. Oh, this was so much fun. Thanks for having me. We'll have you on again. Okay. I hope you've enjoyed the first part of the Garage Cast, getting us to think about challenging our own personal status quo, hearing some voices from around campus, 
it's kind of that welcome back feeling. Welcome back. The school year is about to start. And now we're going to shift gears here in segment two. And our focus will be on kind of what's been happening in tech. You know, this was a an integral part of uh, season one that I know our listeners uh, really liked, where I talked about just things happening in technology. You know, my background is in technology and um, technology, technological change is one of the major forces that is reshaping everything, including education. Now, over the summertime, quite often, you know, in technology uh, circles, there's not a lot of things that happen. You know, companies don't make a lot of major announcements and they sort of wait for the fall. There's a, there's a big onslaught of that stuff coming very shortly. The month of September is, you know, Apple makes announcements and Google will make announcements and all sorts of companies know that this is a great time to, to make announcements, release information, release new products and services. But there has been a number of things that I want to talk about that have occurred. And of course, I'm starting with artificial intelligence because again, this is really one of the landmark things that emerged in, you know, think about just last year. Um, we talked a lot about ChatGPT uh, in season one. It came up a number of times and... I don't know, maybe over the summertime you've completely forgot about using it or you haven't used it. And that is one of the things that is uh, a trend, is the usage of ChatGPT um, has dropped. Now, this isn't a bad thing. I think, number one, it was summertime. And if educators and students are large parts of that user base... It only makes sense that in the summertime, we would see that decline. I think as well, you know, when it came on the scene in November, December of 2022, really exploded in terms of usage in January of 2023. You know, remember, this is the, the, the most rapidly uh, adopted technology in the history of technology. 100 million users in the span of sort of four to six weeks adopted and started using this. That's really incredible. But that's part of the, call it the hype cycle. And so as people have used it and, and sort of experimented with it, it sort of fades. And then the people that remain using it are those that are, are integrating it into their work. Integrated it, integrating it into their personal life in various ways. And so I think this was to be expected. The other thing, however, that has probably caused some of that erosion for ChatGPT is that there have been other things that have emerged. Remember, people are building tools on top of ChatGPT. So while the usage of it directly may have dropped... There are people that are, 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 are using other types of AI-enabled tools. There's also competitive products that have come out. So there's, there's been Google's Bard. 
Um, but there's also been uh, a lot of interest and it's just stuff I've read because it's not available in Canada yet. But there is a company called Anthropic and they have put out their artificial intelligence called Claude and that has gotten some, some pretty strong positive reviews from uh, tech uh, journals and tech uh, bloggers uh, that I follow, tech reviewers. And so that will erode. I think a very interesting thing, it actually just recently occurred, um, is that Google, um, as I had predicted would end up happening, has launched something called Duet AI. And what this is, is it is uh, the inclusion of their, um, their AI uh, in Gmail directly built in sets of tools in Google Docs, in Google Sheets to help create and work with spreadsheets and in Google Slides. So all, all of, you know, these productivity uh, tools um, Google has built in its Duet Assistant, AI Assistant, into that. Gmail, Slides, Docs, Sheets, actually, and Google Drive as well. Now, that is a paid service, so that's interesting as well. They're monetizing that, similar to what Microsoft is doing with Copilot in the Office Suite. And so for $30 a month, you can pay for that, and it shows up as a part of your Google Workspace. To me, that's, it's a major um, thing that's happened over the summertime because <clears throat> it starts to integrate and normalize the use of artificial intelligence in our everyday um, tools that we use. And while we might see a drop in the use of ChatGPT, so you might have read articles that, you know, people are, are, slowing down in their use. The fact of the matter is we're only going to continue to see increased use and we just, we won't even think about it. It's just going to be there. The other thing that I wanted to highlight in this area of artificial intelligence is that OpenAI, the creator of ChatGPT, has now come out with what they're calling an enterprise grade version of ChatGPT. Uh, and this is really ChatGPT for businesses, for organizations. There is an enhancement uh, to this offering that promises to protect the, the data of organizations. So one of the things that people worry about in using ChatGPT is, you know, if, let's say, I don't know, members of your school, for instance, are using it and they cut and paste uh, a document that they want ChatGPT to refine or to expand upon or to get some insights on. Well, that document now is sitting out on, in a sense, the public web, right? It might not be searchable for people, but it's sitting, it's been passed to this third-party entity. Um, and so privacy and security understandably understandably have been a concern for organizations who might worry that if their employees are using ChatGPT, the data itself could be training ChatGPT uh, and that the tool could accidentally expose 
information from inside their organization. And obviously that is not something that, you know, would be acceptable or, or desirable in any, any way. With the release of ChatGPT Enterprise, what organizations will have is control and ownership over their data. It won't be used in any way to train ChatGPT. So that is a huge um, plus for organizations. There's going to be other features as well. The ability to to customize ChatGPT's knowledge of, of company data, yes, but they're also going to be providing advanced analytical analytical tools. Uh, and then that way, companies can see the usage, uh, how it's providing positive impact, or is it having an impact? Uh, it, it's always important to be able to understand um, how these tools are being used um, to further shape its use uh, and its integration. There it's very expensive and OpenAI has said that there will be some some options that they're looking at pricing options uh, for smaller teams um, at the current uh, levels and I can't remember if they've actually announced uh, set pricing or if I had just read what people were anticipating but we're talking about pricing that you know will not be um, we're talking about you know pricing in the area of a hundred thousand dollars uh, which is not something that small organizations can can take advantage of. And so they, they will be coming up with um, kind of small team enterprise pricing. So now we've got personal user pricing at $20 a month. Um, we've got large enterprise pricing um, that is available, and then they'll come up with some kind of mid mid-level. But it all shows to me the slowdown is not a negative. It's it's an indication of, of this offering maturing. And when I see business models like this that are emerging, uh, it's, another, it's another example of um, the artificial intelligence tools, the generative artificial intelligence tools are maturing. And that's a good thing, a very good thing. Okay, let's change gears a little bit. Another thing that's been added, uh, and again, this might be too too geeky, too data-related, but I've got to throw it out there because I've waited a long time for this. As we're talking about uh, Google, for instance, adding AI to their productivity tools, well, Microsoft has um, uh, announced that they are bringing the programming language Python to Excel. Now, to me, this is super exciting. You may be hearing this and say, oh, I don't use um, Excel and I don't even know what Python is. <laughs> well, Python is uh, a programming language and a lot of uh, developers um, uh, use Python to develop all kinds of programs. Um, it could be games, it could be business applications. Python is all around us. Um, and Python is also a language that... Um, data analysts, uh, data scientists will use to carry out um, data analytics. And Microsoft, by integrating this, is really allowing for advanced spreadsheet users to combine scripts that use the Python language 
and all the regular things that we are used to using in Excel, formulas and whatnot, and really supercharge our use of Excel. You may have used Excel in very simplistic ways inside your own school, inside your your day to day. You may have seen or you may have used Excel in slightly more advanced ways where um, scripting that is available in Excel to do, again, any number of slightly more advanced things using the Excel tool set. Well, now you can do really advanced data analysis inside this familiar Excel environment. So why do I say this is an important, uh, important thing? It's just another indication of how these tools that are really meant historically for advanced users are coming into these familiar day-to-day -day tools and will become increasingly normalized. They'll increasingly become tools that the everyday person will use. And it makes me reflect on, you know, where tools like Python, you know, were, were used by developers, programmers, artificial intelligence used by developers, programmers, data scientists. Well, now we're all becoming programmers. And that's exciting to me. As programming finds its way into everyday tools and our everyday processes and the everyday parts of our job, it just, it's exciting because it allows us to do our work in different ways, to leverage technology in different ways. And to me, that's, that's exciting and it's important. It's an important evolutionary step in technology. You know, I've talked about before how technology is impacting every industry area. It will impact every job. I've said before how software, you know, there's an expression, software is eating the world. Everything is becoming software. And this is an example of, of how that is happening in a very normal and productive value-adding way. It's also, I think, important as educators for us to realize that if these are landing for us in our everyday tools and our everyday work, it's landing in inside these same sets of tools that our students will use. And so we have to, we have to adapt the way we educate what we educate. These kids, when they go off to post-secondary, and then they eventually end up in the workplace, have to be prepared, have to understand that these things are available. It's part of our education process, I believe. Make sure that the kids are, are ready and able to um, leverage these. I think in many ways, kids are ahead of us. These are things that are normalized for students. And... It's our job to make sure that we adapt and reinvent our curricular approaches, challenge that status quo. That is innovation.
And so that's my summer wrap up. I mean, there's lots of technology things that have come out through the summer, um, but I'm not here to review products or talk about, you know, the latest Apple product or, you know, robotics product. I just really wanted to pick on, on during a quiet time that the summer normally is for technology. Artificial intelligence has not stood still. Well, my dear listeners, that is a wrap. As we kick off season two here, I'm going to bring episode 44 of the Garage Cast to a close. The school is closed today, and so I know that for the Brangsome community and others uh, here in the private independent school uh, market uh, in Toronto, you're already on your long weekends, and I hope that they are starting off wonderfully, and I hope that you have a great upcoming long weekend for everyone else. Have a great Friday and a wonderful long weekend for those, again, uh, that may be here in Ontario and in Canada. I really look forward to this year. I was asked by Mira Gambier, who you heard at the beginning of this podcast, when I asked her about how she's challenging her status quo. She, as always, asks good questions, and she said to me, what is your status quo, Michael? Uh, and I had to pause, and I, and I sort of laughed, because I hadn't, I had some ideas, you know, I don't like to overthink what I'm going to say here in the, in the garage cast, and... I've reflected on it and I think, you know, for me, change is always been a part of the way I approach my life. The change is a normal part of life and the change is an opportunity. And, you know, I reflected over the summertime. I had a lot of wonderful time off and I think my personal status quo is to really embrace change and to find opportunity to push myself to change. To find opportunities that allow me to step into things that are well outside of my comfort zone. To get back to that entrepreneurial spirit that I've always had and to embrace uh, uncertainty, find opportunity and excitement in that un uncertainty. And so that's how I am stepping into this season two of the Garage Cast, to just radically accept, enjoy, uncover, seek out change. Thank you again for joining me. And I hope that you will join me all season long. And if you didn't hear, if you're new to the, the Garage Cast and you haven't heard episodes from season one, go back, look at the titles, find something that seems interesting, click on it, give it a listen. Don't forget to provide me some feedback. I would love, love to hear from new listeners. And next week, I will bring you episode 45. Until that time, I am Michael Iani Plarkier, your host here on the Garage Cast saying stay well everybody stay curious find ways to challenge the status quo and until we're together again let me simply say ciao